morning. Will you stand and we'll sing together from Mary's song from Luke 1. i 
Let's be still. This week we light the fourth Advent candle. This is the shepherd candle, and it reminds us of God's love. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a virgin, whose name was Mary, and he said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And when the time came, she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. We light this candle in love, the love that Jesus, our Savior, has for us. Come then, Lord Jesus. Please stand with us and we'll sing together the first Noel. Oh, cool. 
us pray. Father, our Lord and God, we are glad to be here this morning in your presence. We enter your presence, Lord, filled with need. In this season that so often becomes filled with busyness, we need rest. Weighed down by obligations and responsibilities, we need someone to share our burdens. In the shadow of violence and fear, we need peace. Distracted by worries and frivolities, we need stillness. In the face of illness and death, we need healing. This morning, Lord, we pray especially for, for Pastor Chad um, and for his mother, Quinn, as she recovers from surgery. We pray that your healing hand be upon her and that you comfort and encourage her close friends and her family. Lord, we also pray for Jody's mother, Carol, that you strengthen her as she prepares for surgery next week and that you comfort and encourage her close friends and family as well. Father, we pray that this morning you meet each of us where we are in the power of your grace for the sake of your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'll now continue our service um, through a time of confession. We'll do so first corporately, um, and then we'll have a time for personal um, silent confession. God of love, we confess that with the shepherds, we are terrified of your glory. Oh, sorry, yes, the children know the script. Children can be, dis children can be dismissed for Children's Church. <laughs> God of love, we confess that with the shepherds we are terrified of your glory, for in the light of your glory we see plainly all the wrong in the world, how oppression still enslaves, how garments of war are still stained with blood, how those seeking refuge still find no place of safety. We also see what is wrong in us, how passionately we pursue the things of this world, forget to ponder the mystery of faith, how we do not practice the love you intend in our relationships, our community, or even in our church. Help us not to be afraid. Give us hope and forgive us, we pray. Amen. Um, please take a moment for a silent personal confession. Father, we thank you that you are slow to anger and that you abound with steadfast love, that you are eager to forgive us when we come to you humbly and with honesty. Grant us clean hearts that we may approach your throne with boldness and gladness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, please stand for the words of assurance. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Um, as Christ has welcomed us, let us welcome one another.
Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah 7, verse 10 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to, ch how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The New Testament lesson comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has, had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. <clears throat> well, this Sunday we uh, continue our time in the book of Isaiah during this Advent season. And Advent is that season in the life of our church where we uh, linger in waiting. We sit with our longing, uh, the ache of the soul that longs for things to be whole, to be made right. It's a time when we uh, look, we look uh, not inward, or entrench ourselves in the things around us for rescue, but we anticipate the coming, the, the, the inbreaking of God in our world to make all things new. And we look to Christ's first coming and we will hold his promise that he will come again. So let's turn together to our passage to Isaiah 35, verses uh, 1 through 10. Well, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool 
and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, or, or shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness with joy, and sorrow and singing shall flee away. Well, this is God's word is given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, meet us in in whatever place we find ourselves this morning. Um, Perhaps some of us come, we feel distracted or are struggling or feel far from you. Meet those of us who feel even close, who are ready to hear and receive. Show us the grace of Jesus again and through his word that that we have read and heard, Lord, that you would change us by it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there is a, uh, a family rhythm to bedtime with our children. <laughs> and for the most part, when we play that rhythm, uh, there, things go fairly smooth for us, putting our kids to bed. But there has been uh, another song that has been playing in the course of the night with our littlest one, uh, Willa. <laughs> At some point in the night, she'll come into our room to tell us that there is a bear in the closet. And of course, um, you know, we grumble and we slumber out of bed to attend to the mysterious visitor in the closet. And it's, uh, you know, it's not enough to tell her that there are no bears in the closet. <laughs> it's not enough to convince her that, that bears don't live in the city or that they, they, they couldn't possibly fit into her really small closet. It doesn't matter. I mean, her face and the terror that is evident on it. It communicates that the fear that is ever so close to her, that fear that is disrupting her sleep and taking control of her imagination, right? It needs much more than my tired words could ever reason for her. (laughs) And the thing that that does it, the thing that puts her to rest, that convinces her that even if there are bears there, she'll be okay, (laughs) It is my very real presence sitting beside her in the bed. Presence that in my better moments (laughs) is full of understanding and kindness and patience and a strength that no imagined bear could ever overcome. And I have to tell you friends, I think this, this captures well the presence of God in our text. When God comes to his people in the darkest of nights, full of fear and anxious hearts, desperate to find their rest, desperate to find their home, God comes fierce and mighty to save his people and to bring them home. And so one of the questions, if not the question, that we are invited to consider in our text is what is it like when God comes to save What is it like when when God will lead his people out of exile and out of tyranny, out of destruction? What what is that like? 
Well, it's not the first time that God has saved his people, right? Verse 1, it mentions that the wilderness and the dry land, it mentions the desert. And there are these echoes of a familiar journey that God's people have taken before. God's people once made their exodus through a desert. And let's be honest, it wasn't the kind of homecoming to sing songs about. Right? It was a slow and tragic parody of freedom, full of grumbling and, and faithlessness that apart from God's faithfulness and mercy would have ended in death. And so here we are again, God's people staring down the reality that they have moved out of that place of promise once again, that they are back under the foot of the, the superpowers of their day. And this is a, a dark time. It was not a time that any, uh, that, that it wasn't like a time of, of that of Abraham or, or David. It was not about the best of their story, but about the worst of it. And the worst of it, if we wanted to understand it more, we, we just have to listen, listen to the songs that, that, that they would sing, songs that they write, uh, songs that they had passed around to one another. I mean, there's a whole book of those songs uh, that they had passed around, uh, that they had passed around to one another. There's a whole book um, that would express this kind of world, this kind of reality, and it, it was rightly called Lamentations, right? It's about destruction. It's about people being carried off into exile. It's about death. I mean, just listen to the opening words in Lamentations. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a wisdom has she, has she become. She who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the province has become a slave. And that's where God's people were heading, to exile, where people's homes would be destroyed, families broken up, having to undergo incredible and unspeakable violence, crying out and wondering if there is anyone who's going to offer them any comfort at all. And that's the refrain in the song, there is none to comfort her, there is none to comfort her. So if you've ever been in a moment like that, or maybe a season like that, a time of suffering or difficulty, and you probably know what they meant and sang when they sang that song. You probably know what they felt. And if you ever have, if you ever, if you have never been in that kind of moment of suffering or difficulty, I promise you, <laughs> you probably know someone who has. They may be sitting around you right now. They, they may be just a phone call away, just a text away. Because when you're in exile, when you are suffering, when you are in trouble, it is very, very easy to imagine a world in which there is no God, in which there is no one to comfort. It's very easy to imagine a world where you say, okay, maybe, maybe there is a God, but there is no one who cares. Or maybe he does care, but he's not listening to me. And he doesn't care for me. If you've ever been in that place, if you are in that place right now, you know that we, that we move into imagining that world almost unconsciously. And as soon as we imagine that this is the world, we begin to live as if that is 
the world. And it takes us to some really dark, dark places. And friends, that's one of the reasons why we are here together right now, this morning. <laughs> that's one of the reasons why we do what we do every single week. It's, it's one of the reasons that you and I, we desperately need every one of us in here this morning. You and I, uh, the, the people that are sitting all around us, we need them. We need that. Not just every week for a few minutes, but every single day because we remind each other. We remind each other there is more to this world than what we can see. That there is more to this world than what we can feel and touch in that moment. That there is more to this world than whatever that thing is that we are experiencing in the present. There is more. We remind each other that God is real and he is coming. And so if you are suffering right now, if you are in pain right now, please, please do your very best not to isolate yourself. I know that's hard to do. I know that everything in you at times wants to be alone or wants to be uh, apart, but I promise you, your, pain, your health, your flourishing, it lies elsewhere. And if you know someone who is in pain, if you know someone who is suffering, please, please move towards them. Even if they can't respond well because they, they don't know how to respond well, please move towards them in patience and in love. And that's what we do because that's what God does. He moves towards people in darkness. And this is what Isaiah is saying. He's saying into the bleakest moment, into the darkest moment of their shared life together, God moves towards his people who are certain there is no escape for them. And you know what, and, and you want to know what that is like. It is like the dry and barren desert blossoming. You want to know what it's like when God moves towards his people, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The thirsty ground will, will spring forth water. When God moves towards his people, he brings a transformation, a, a reversal of that old and broken down way of being towards new life and living and walking with God and with others. And friends, we too live in a world that is filled with, with injustice and disease and racism and, and unspeakable violence. I mean, news cycle after news cycle is that's that it's hard not to be uh, to to be numb to those who are lost to a virus or to another shooting or another abuse scandal or another terror of anti-Semitism. And yet, at the same time, if we're being honest, we'll admit that the darkness isn't all out there. That that there is a darkness that is in here, too. I'm complicit. I have been unfaithful to God. I have not loved as I should have loved. And it is into that moment that God moves towards people like us. And in that moment, he moves towards and he cuts through all of the darkness out there and all of the darkness in here. And he says, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and he will save you. And God is saying, listen, I will have the final word. I will have the final word about the darkness. Both the darkness out there and the darkness that is in here, I will have 
the final word. And church, we need to hear that when God offers to come and to save, he's not offering some quick pick-me-up from the ground, a uh, pat me on pat you on the back. No, God is not offering something cheap and fleeting. God isn't coming to save, to waste his time. God is saying that, that he is coming with vengeance to dispel the darkness. He is coming. He is moving towards his people who are in the darkness. And he is offering to strengthen weak hands, to calm anxious hearts, to bring uh, the comfort and renewal of his presence in the world his actual presence in the world, the, the, the real thing. God is promising a, a solidarity with us, a solidarity with you and me, it's, it, and it's a, a solidarity that, that, that changes everything. And he is coming. Because that's true, uh, a way is being prepared. These beautiful set of images about a highway in the desert about the clear and obvious coming of God. You know, when God comes, you don't have to dig a hole in the desert looking for water because the burning, the burning sand shall become a pool, springing forth water. You don't have to, to worry about the dangers of the wilderness because there will be no lion, no wild beast there to prey upon you. No, you don't have to worry about seeing or hearing or walking there. Because when God comes, it will be teeming with new life and restoration. God is coming, he says, and he is coming to meet his people in the darkness, in the wilderness of this broken, sinful world, and in the wilderness of our broken and sinful hearts. And he's coming with forgiveness, and he is coming with healing. God is coming, and he's coming to bring to bring us home. It's that longing for home, it's that longing for wholeness that you and I feel. For God's people then, part of that longing was to, to literally go home, <laughs> to physically just be able to get back home. And what is that longing, right? That, what is that longing for wholeness? What is that longing for home that, that you and I feel? Because we feel it. We, can we see past that longing or underneath that longing or over that longing or around the longing to the thing that it really is? Can we see with the eyes of faith that what we are really longing for is the aim of our happiness, the presence of God himself, solidarity with him, and God is coming for us. And Isaiah says, when that happens, the glory of the Lord is, is going to be revealed. It's not just for a few people and, and this little finite period of time. It's for the whole world. And when it happens, the truth about God, about who God really is, it will be made plain for the whole world to see. And as great as this image is, you can imagine, you can imagine how God, God's people in darkness might wonder how it could how it could possibly happen. I mean, I mean, it sounds great, Isaiah. It's beautiful and all, but have you seen the situation over here? Not exactly free people. This thing is not going to end without a fight. <laughs> and it sounds like the kind of thing we say when we are in pain and, and difficulty and darkness. You know, I, I, I can't change. I've tried. 
people can't change. These systems that are so broken around us are entrenched and they, they cannot be removed and, and they cannot be changed. And if the weight and the burden of dispelling the darkness of this broken world rested on our shoulders, if the weight and the burden of getting us home rested solely in our hands and upon our knees, knees that are feeble and hands that are weak, then our cynicism and our fear and our anxiety would be justifiable, but, but it does not rest on us. It rests on the strength of the one who has the power to transform, to, to create life when there is none. And church, we need a God like this, a God of power that makes possible, that sets right all the injustice and brokenness in this world. But we also need a God who is close, who draws near to those who are anxious, who are worn down by disease and loss, who are on the margins, who's, who says to the cripple, walk again, who lays his hands on the deaf and they hear again, who moves toward the unclean woman and makes her whole again. We need a God like that. And Isaiah, this is what your God looks like when he comes, this mighty shepherd, unfathomable strength and disarming tenderness, mercy joined with power. And it would probably be impossible to overstate how incredibly comforting this would have been to God's people in exile. I mean, that's exactly what Isaiah says when he describes this homecoming. He says, what does he say? Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow, and, and sighing shall flee away. And of course, some of God's people did return from exile. With the return of, of Judah, when the Babylonian Empire falls, the, the Persian Empire comes in and they let God's people go home. And they go back and they start rebuilding their homes and they start remaking their lives, but the fullness of the promise of God has not yet been fulfilled, not realized. And so we get to this place where we read about these people, uh, like old Simeon in Luke's Gospel whose strength had never wavered, who is still waiting for what? The salvation of God's people. He's still waiting for God to come, and he's still waiting for him to, to save. And then John the Baptist, he shows up in the wilderness, who says that there is someone mightier than me who is coming. And then it is in the life of Jesus that we finally see, we finally see the fullness of Isaiah's vision. It's in Jesus where we see that this mighty shepherd, what he really looks like, mercy joined with power. And it's in Jesus' cross and resurrection and his ascension that we see mercy joined with power, where we see in the scandalous logic of love, where we can really be forgiven and pardoned, that we can really come home you see, Jesus was so concerned with our spiritual homelessness that he was willing not just to commute from heaven, just to bring us a nice message or, or feel good words so that we would feel better about ourselves, but he was willing to move here, to become one of us, to stand in solidarity with us and go through what we go through to make us whole, 
to save us from our pretend savers, those things that we look to because we think they will give us meaning and significance. You know, things like our money or our career or a person or a relationship, whatever it is, all of those things is like living away from home. They may be good things, but they are not home. They will desert you, they disappoint you, they empty you, they will not make you whole. And Jesus became homeless so that we could, that we could make this world at home. Right? It's like when, when um, Jewel the unicorn says at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia, right? when he sees the final home, he says, at last I've come home. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, and I never knew it. <laughs> Jesus' coming means that the darkness out there and the darkness in here has been dealt a mortal blow. It's bleeding out. And one day, the power of this dark world and its ruler will be gone, will be gone forever. And while we wait for that day, church, we have work to do, essential work, absolutely essential work. And it's essential work in, the, in this anxious and desperate world that we live in. It's, it's essential for people, for people who feel like they are beat up, for people who are beat up. It's essential work for the weak who have been abused by the powerful. It's essential work for people like us who come home at the end of the day and we hear the news summary and we think, what more can happen in our city? What, what more can happen in our country? What more can happen in this world? How much more messed up can it be? It is essential work. Essential for those under the weight of loss, just bent underneath it. It's essential for those who are just trying to grind it out another day and make it by. We, the church, are called to be ministers of comfort and hope to one another and to be into the broken world all around us. It is our power. And church, we do that through the blood and the sweat and the tears of doing real life together. That's why we need each other. God has shared his transformative solidarity with us. He has moved towards us. And so now we in turn share that with others by moving towards them and each other. We do that physically by being around each other. We do it in prayer we do it in acts of, of self-giving love. We do it in acts of service. It is, it is in our vocation. It is the kind of people that God has made us to be. People who were once broken, who are now whole in Christ. A people who are the deserts that blossom. Let's pray. Father, help us to see this and to hear this and to feel this and to believe it to believe that you have moved towards us, that you have moved us out of exile to a place of home, that you have transformed us and made us new through Jesus who has sent out of the city, out of his home, to die the death that we deserve and, and raised to life so that we can be brought back to the city, that we can be whole. Help us to see how you have come to save us and help us to, to, to be the kind of people who love with self-giving love to which we have been loved. We pray this in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Will you stand with us and we'll sing together.
Almighty God, you scatter the proud, but fill the hungry. You look in favor on the poor, but cast down tyrants from their thrones. Remember your mercy and help us according to the promise of your steadfast love. And all your people will sing out with joy and glorify you forever through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Well, during this Advent season, we are, uh, we, we are invited to consider the light, the light that has come into the world. And it's not just a light that is there. It is a light that comes into the darkness, into the trouble, into the sadness, into the suffering, into all of the things that we feel and experience that are, are not as they, as they should be. I think it's an important moment is that this table even is a reminder of that, that there is light that is in the midst of darkness. It is a table that is even surrounded by those who in moments later, moments after that meeting, that time with Jesus, that those who are around the table are full of darkness. There's deniers and cheaters and fools, people who, would, who had followed him, who loved him, and yet they turned away and yet that is the image of God's mercy it's the image of the light that comes into the darkness that even invites us here this morning to come and to receive and to be filled up not with do it better or do it right but to come and to find his forgiveness to find and to be filled up with his life anew and again well, if you believe this, if you have in faith and in repentance turned to Christ, then come to this table to eat and drink. If that's not you, then maybe just to, to, to behold, to behold the grace and the mercy of God, to see it, and to con consider and to ponder what it may mean to turn in faith towards the one who can make you whole. Father, we thank you for this table. We pray that you would set it apart from a common use to a sacred and holy one that you would come and by your spirit meet us and nourish us in our faith through this bread and this wine. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood for as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I'm gonna, in a moment, I'm gonna invite us all to come up uh, the center aisle here to receive both the, the bread and the wine, so to go back on the sides to hold them so that we can uh, all eat and drink together as one family. If you're not coming for communion this day, but uh, I still wanna invite you to come forward, you can, you're welcome to come to my line and I'll offer a, a prayer of blessing for you. I'll invite the, uh, the uh, servers to come forward as we come ourselves.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let's drink in faith. Well, let's stand together for a time of prayer and singing as we respond to the Lord's table. Loving Savior, you bring hope and peace to the lowly and oppressed. Let us see the world through your eyes that we may love the, the, the widow and the orphan, that we, we may work for justice, that our lives may bear witness to the good news that you have saved us by your love. Sing, O oh heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O oh depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O oh mountains, for the Lord has redeemed his people. Sing, O oh heavens, for the The, the ushers to come forward uh, for our time of giving, where we uh, give back to God uh, in, in the ways that he has been gracious to us. We offer our gifts and our thanks to him. Uh, just a quick uh, quick reminder of some of the announcements that are coming up uh, tonight. Obviously, at 5 p.m., we're meeting for our carols. Uh, we're going to meet at the church office and go out caroling, and then we'll have a time after that where we'll have a party at the church, so please stay. Uh, there's the traditional sushi tonight, I believe, right? Yeah, sushi tonight, so you're not going to want to miss that. And just a time of fellowship that'll be uh, really rich and meaningful. And again, like I said, at, at, the, at the, early, um, the early part of the service, next week, we're going to have two services, uh, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. The Saturday uh, night is the candlelight uh, Christmas Eve service at 6 p.m., there will be uh, child care for that, so please come and join us, the whole family, to come before Christmas Day, which we'll also have a service at our regular time at 10.15 a.m., and uh, uh, there will not be child care for that one, just a note um, as you're, as you're uh, plan making your plans. And then also today after the service, please stay after. We'll have a time of fellowship over here in the, uh, uh, the cafeteria. If you don't want to go outside to get to it, just walk, take the longer way around. It's, uh, it's warmer, for sure. Just go down the hallway here and just keep looping around until you end up over here in the, the cafeteria wing. Let's stand together for our doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
blessing. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you.